Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Youth Voice Podcast. Our podcast is aimed at giving a voice for teenagers who can't get their voice heard by adults or in the mainstream media. My name is Vagish, and today I'm joined by Ben, Sharanya, Ishan, and Riddhi. Today's episode, we will be talking about the divisions of the Democratic Party, specifically the different ideas within the party and where we see the party going in the near future. The modern Democratic Party emerged in the late 1820s from former factions of the previous Democrat-Republican Party, which had collapsed by 1824. Built by President Martin Van Buren, the pattern and speed of its formation differed from state by state, but by the mid-1830s, all states had their own versions of the party. Over the course of all history, Democrats had historical prominence in passing major legislation. Democratic platforms have sought to promote social programs, labor unions, consumer protection, workplace safety regulation, equal opportunity, disability rights, racial equality, regulations against environmental pollution, and criminal justice reform. While the Democratic Party in the past has been quite conservative compared to the recent days, a new faction of the party has has come into prominence in the political atmosphere. The progressive movement, led by Bernie Sanders and Representative AOC, progressive Democrats were described as conservative liberal, liberal, and classical liberal. The party's economic policies were based on economic liberalism. They supported the freedom of private enterprise and the lowering of taxes. The classic value of the party are now seen across the spectrum, from more moderates supporting big government inequality, whereas the more progressive Democrats support socialized health care and affordable standards of living for everyone. While there are many fans of this new movement, its critics have called their politics too radical and economically unsavvy. They believe that the policies are flawed and in reality, sometimes don't work. Before we start our conversation on the Democratic Party, let's bring up our discussion question for this week, which was a new segment that we added in last week's episode. So this week we'll we'll be talking about what is the goal of a government, or in this specific case, the U.S. government. Okay, so I can start. Um, in my opinion, I definitely believe that the job of the go- or the job or the goal of the government is to provide moral support for the people and care for its citizens. I believe that a government is not doing its job correctly if it doesn't support and caretake for its citizens, which is why I believe in all a lot of social programs such as uh, universal health care, universal education, universal preschool, a lot of these programs that are meant to benefit the people and because I believe that the government should be able, should be focusing on the people first and the economy second. Yeah, I agree with that. I feel like the main goal of the government should be focused towards its people and not on its own profit. I would have to uh, disagree. I mean, I definitely say that those are all very important, but another huge aspect of the goal of government is to provide everyone a basic uh, you know, basic rights, basic standards of living, make sure that everything is civilized and that everyone is treated equally and fairly, uh, as well as, you know, like keeping the economy going and, you know, providing a sustainable uh, country. Yeah, I agree with Ben because I definitely agree that the main goal of the country should always be its people, but we also need to control systems where people are affected, like the economy and foreign policy and stuff like that that not directly affecting the people uh, with something as healthcare, but, you know, it's, like, indirectly affecting the whole country. Yeah, it's important to strike that balance because you lean too far in one direction, something else is going to give. So I'd say, yeah, it's the goal of the government, in my opinion, 
is to protect and nourish and nurture its people, but also grow its economy and its influence to help support the world in the in the uh, wake of the ever ever growing interconnectedness of the human race. Yeah, like um, going into that and talking about how the goal of a government should be focused on its people, it kind of diverges into that area of socialism in the Democratic Party or how some feel concerned about it. For example, at its simplest, socialism calls for a nation's citizens to control at least some of its means of production or the major ingredients for a healthy economy. And under socialism, according to CBS, um, any surplus or profit from those sectors must benefit the same citizens. So talking about how governments should help those towards the people, um, even the Democratic Party, those some have concerns about socialism being a problem in there. But I feel like socialism does have a part in making sure that a government's task or a government's overall you know, meaning is being fulfilled. Yeah, I think there should be a good balance between um, you know, capitalism and socialism, which we'll probably touch on in the podcast. So without further ado, let's open the floor to the actual discussion for today, the division of the Democratic Party. Okay, um, I can ask the first discussion question. So what do you guys think about the current state of the Democratic Party at the moment? And like, what are its divisions and how do you see it going into the near future, especially with an incoming Biden administration? Um, I feel like right now it's kind of divided, especially with Joe Biden, you know, um, being an establishment um, Democrat, being, you know, in charge of the country. It's kind of being divided between, you know, progressives and then versus establishment Democrats. I would say I would uh, agree and disagree with Ruthie. I'd say that those divisions are there, but. Right now, because, uh, you know, the Democrats won the executive branch, they uh, they won the White House, they won the House, of course, and they won the Senate, that I think that right now, it's they're probably at their strongest that they've been in since, you know, the last four years. Because the last four years were basically, the Democrats were, the only unifying thing was essentially, okay, Trump bad, that's it. Right now, it's... We're, they're trying to they're all trying to support Biden and show that they can keep control of the country because right now they want th- uh, these four years. Right. But they want to win the next four years, of course, and they want to win the n- next four years after that. They want to keep winning. So they need to show that they are strong together and they can get the job done. So they are putting on more of a united front right now. And I would say otherwise, but I would I do think that the divisions that are there are just cracks forming underneath the surface and it will take uh, and there will be a straw that breaks the camel's back eventually. I wouldn't say now this year or the next year, but potentially I'm I'm uh, predicting maybe as early as within the next, uh, you know, by 2025 ish, something is going to give because they're all there. The divisions are forming, but nobody's acknowledging it and nobody's doing anything about it. So people are just getting pent up aggression towards each other. And eventually that dam is going to give. Yeah, there is indefinitely, there was indefinitely a huge victory for the Democratic Party, you know, winning back the trifecta between the executive branch and then the House and the Senate. Um, And although the Supreme Court, you know, was uh, still a Republican majority, it's still a huge victory for the Democrats. However, I think the uh, real reason 
that no one is really focusing, like you said, Ishan, on the on the possibilities that the Democratic Party could become more divided is because everyone's focusing on how the Republican Party is becoming more divided. However, that's not really what we're going to be talking about in today's discussion. Uh, instead, we're going to be talking about how socialism and the idea of socialism just getting thrown around in the Democratic Party. Politicians are using it uh, as a weapon uh, in order to slander the Democratic Party. And in some cases, it is starting to seem like there's more socialistic values than there are in moderate Democrats like Joe Biden that want to implement decency back into the White House, that want to implement uh, equality and just get America, you know, uh, back on track. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, in the Democratic Party, you don't see the division like you do in the Republican Party because they didn't have that outlier candidate uh, like Donald Trump. However, you hear all the time, like, Bernie Sanders can't work with anybody in the Senate because nobody wants to work with him. Or AOC is, like, getting attacked by her fellow Democratic uh, candidates. And these, this is just, like, um, it's just, like, sewing, you know? And eventually, as the country moves more progressively, I think this is going to cause some kind of outburst in the near future, as Ishan said. Yeah, I definitely agree with everyone that's uh, spoken before me, but the de the progressive part of the Democratic Party didn't really exist until 2016 when Bernie Sanders launched his presidential campaign, which gained a lot of traction and at one point was even close to getting the nomination for president. And it resurged again in 2018 with Democratic gains in the midterm elections. We took back the House of Representatives and uh, when Representative AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York, she defeated an incumbent Democratic establishment establishment candidate in her primary and that was sort of the wow moment for the democratic party like okay we are having some changes we have to um we have to recognize these changes there are people who are willing to take change and yeah it's sort of important to recognize that although ishan said there are divisions in the democratic party we did unite behind joe biden in the 2020 election because as you said the last four years we were focusing on defeating trump and making sure that he didn't get any more power or could influence any more decisions in the government. But now with Joe Biden coming into office, I feel like the settle for Biden campaign is sort of going to start taking off. And many people will not be afraid to criticize Joe Biden and want to see policies get done. But there's still this sort of unison behind the Republican Party and the Trumpism that has plagued that as well. I would say both parties are just as fractured as each other. It's just the media favors... Uh, they're, well, the media favors whichever, you know, party they're on the side of during, you know, uh, right now, because the Democrats are in the House, the media isn't focusing so much as on how, uh, you know, they're fractured. But you can already tell as uh, as I think as I think Sharanya stated with the whole Bernie Sanders thing, people on the people in the um, people on the in the Democrats, uh, people Democrats are, you know, getting more and more divided and they're not doing anything about it besides throwing shade. And that is going to come to a head. And when it does, we lose potential for any proper growth or movement because everybody's just going to be focused on, you know, backstabbing each other and trying to move their own things ahead instead of putting the needs of the people ahead of the needs of themselves, which is my personal gripe with most, if not all politicians, because they put their agendas, their you know, uh, they put their agendas, their lives, their careers, all of that before the needs of the people in the country they're supposed to be serving. 
Yeah, talking about your statement about how both parties are both kind of fractured, I feel like even though right now may seem like a breaking point in the Democratic Party or that it feels like the, its division will lead to some sort of, you know, damage towards it, I feel like especially, um, you know, talk, going on about what Vigish said, um, especially after Joe Biden's campaign or, you know, the Settle for Biden campaign, I feel like instead of breaking apart, Democratic Party will kind of unite, especially considering all the different problems that are happening in society, society right now, considering the pandemic, climate change, etc. Right now, we can't afford to have divisions and we can't afford to be putting our efforts or our energy into anything other than, you know, making policies that will help the population overall. So I feel like even if the divisions of the Democratic Party are you know, breaking apart or are going to be causing some damage, it's damage that we cannot afford right now. And I, while I do agree with Riddhi, I also think it's important to note that, like, while we cannot afford damages, like, we are in power right now. The Democratic Party has a trifecta in the United States government. They won the presidency in 2020, won the Senate in 2021 with the Georgia runoffs, and we still have our House uh, majority. So, while it is important to be uh, uniting and like striving towards making common leftist policies for our country, it's also important to note that like we can't blame other sides for trying to get their policies in, especially if we have the power. So if we have the power, we should be able to implement those policies and get our ideas across because we have the majority. Yeah, this is probably going to be an unpopular opinion, but as someone who graduated into politics during the time that Donald Trump um gained popularity i think that outliers are important for politics in order to keep the whole balance of the system so if we didn't have people such as bernie sanders and alexandria ocasio cortez we wouldn't have new ideas and new discussions being brought to the table even though everybody doesn't agree with those ideas you know as a country moves forward we need to have more of a scale in order to um just look at our options for the future Okay, so I will, uh, we, let's now transition to one of our next discussion questions, which is, what, which is what is Joe Biden's impact on the Democratic Party, especially after the 2020 U.S. presidential election? So does anyone want to start us off? Yeah, I, I can start. So, so first of all, um, Joe Biden obviously had a very positive impact on the Democratic Party, completely unifying across the board. And like there was... A definite victory for that but also you know it like there are these discrepancies between like um bernie sanders and aoc and some of the more progressive liberals but joe biden is definitely you know uh, he is valuing like the most moderate probably you could get in the on the democratic scale and that is just completely imperative to uh, improving just the democratic unification overall, because if we start if we started right now with let's say a front runner as Bernie Sanders, it would probably divide the Democratic Party more than it is right now. And who knows if we would have had a Democratic president? Donald Trump might have gotten a second term because they definitely weaponized the word socialism. But uh, this is definitely unifying, and I could see in the future the Democratic Party is going to improve because of Joe Biden. Oh uh, yeah, I definitely agree with Ben. I would like to uh, play off of that and say that Joe Biden seemed to be the safe candidate for the Democrats because 
uh, in you know during the 2020 election, the Democrats really needed to take back some part of the government. They only had the House under their control at, at that point in time. So they, you know, uh, Democrats looked at their options. You had very radical people, Bernie Sanders, and for just for example, Bernie Sanders, who was a bit too radical for this. So to ensure that the Democrats would, you know, win this election, I do believe that's why the majority of people went with Joe Biden. He's just moderate in the basically every sense of, you know, the word. He, um, he went. Uh, he's modern in every sense of the word. He's his policies are um, just kind of for everybody. It's nothing too, you know, shocking for people. Whereas if we had Bernie Sanders as our candidate right now, I do not believe we would have won this election because he's just you know too shocking, too radical, quote unquote radical for others for other people to uh, the un the. Uh, the undecided people to um, choose. So that's why I believe we went with Joe Biden as he was just, you know, the best moderate choice for us to take back the White House from Donald J. Trump. Yeah, I mean, we all remember the whole settle for Biden thing. I don't think he was anybody's ideal candidate, but he was the candidate that was um, that was that had the potential to beat Donald Trump. And that's what we saw in November. I don't think that any other candidate um, or very few candidates uh, could have beat Donald Trump because of his moderate sense. He brought people, uh, say in Georgia, who didn't exactly like Donald Trump because of uh, his character as a person. Um, he brought them more. He brought them more centrist um, and made them vote uh, and made them vote for him. Yeah, I feel like there is a reason it was called settle for Biden because he wasn't an ideal candidate. There was just a way to make sure that Donald Trump wasn't be able to get any more power or that there was someone who, you know, would be able to handle the COVID crisis in a better way. Yeah, and although um, I'm personally not a huge fan of Joe Biden, out of the 20-ish candidates there were, uh, the Democratic Party's main focus was to beat Donald Trump. And whether we like that or not, um, Joe Biden was probably the only choice that could have done that because of his, uh, as Ben said, moderate sense of unity. And even if, even with Joe Biden, the election was exceptionally close. Although he won the popular vote by close to seven or eight million votes, it came down to close to less than 100,000 votes in three states that would have decided the election. So that is something to keep in mind and also progressive policies in general and how well they play with minority communities that we saw turn out in Detroit, in Philadelphia, in Atlanta, in Phoenix. So it's important to keep in mind that while we should uh, try to uh, play this sort of moderate sense across the other platform, uh, what progressive policies work and how that will resonate with voters in for future election strategies. Thank you for that uh, very nice closing, Vigish. Uh, it's probably in a... Uh... This is probably an abrupt end to our podcast. However, we have to close this insightful discussion up for today. But we hope it gave you something to think about, especially for a topic that doesn't always come up uh, between Democrats. You know, like we always talk about the Republican Party, um, but this is kind of a new discussion that we tried today. So make sure you follow us on socials. They're all in the description, Youth Voice Podcast, on Instagram, TikTok, uh, YouTube, obviously, and then um we're also on spotify and anchor and google podcasts now 
So follow us on socials and uh, stay tuned for next week. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.